based Good on afternoon, Washington everyone. I'm Charles Payne. You're watching President Biden. We will continue to check in on this, his first press conference since announcing his reelection. But in the meantime, uh, the big issue for the White House and everyone is inflation, right? Many say it's the worst economic condition out there, although I think deflation is a lot worse and it's a lot harder to corral. There's simply no doubt that the loss of purchasing power is a gut punch and has hurt so many hardworking Americans. And that's a big reason many, including Larry Summers, pleaded with President Biden, please don't push through this $1.9 trillion. It was free cash that the nation did not need. Sure, it padded the economic records, uh, much like steroids, padded Barry Bonds, baseball home runs. But there's been a price to pay for this. And, and from the very moment that was signed, take a look at this. These are real wages, folks. Not nominal wages, but real wages. When people walked into the store, what they could buy, come out with two bags, they were able to come out with just one bag. And by the way, this negative thing has gone on for 24 months, two straight years of negative real wages. So what's happened? Central banks around the world, they've been trying to counter all of this free money. By the way, including cash they pumped in as well. Even if it means pushing economies into recession. But there seems to be only so much that they can do, right? So the question is, what role uh, does time play in all of this? Because ultimately, all of this cash will find its way to the top 1%. Now, the Federal Reserve, as we know, has embarked on the most aggressive rate hiking cycle in history, and signs of the economy weakening are everywhere. We see it every day. We've seen it this week from several Fed uh, regional surveys. Business investments, we found out this morning, are negative again. Corporate earnings are down. Consumer sentiment is plunging. And then there's money supply, or I should say lack of money supply. Take a look at this. This is the M2. It tracks our money supply. For the first time, it's in contraction in almost 90 years. Here's what's really, really scary about it. In the past when this has happened, you've had the Great Depression. You've had panics of 1907, panics in the 1800s. I mean, th when this happens, it is really, really scary stuff. So, you know, with all of this turmoil, people are obviously worried. People are obviously afraid. They're intimidated. And they're trying to make adjustments, right? That's what you do when you think the world's going to fall on top of you. One of those things you do is you try to find a better job. Well, the chief economist at the Bank of England is telling households and businesses that resistance is futile. This is what he had to say, folks, that the need, they, people need to accept that they are poorer and need to stop seeking pay increases. I mean, this is crazy. This is the chief economist of the Bank of England. Now, maybe there's some truth to this on paper, maybe on spreadsheets, you know, stuff like that. But I got to be honest with you, in academic circles, this means sense, but it's against human nature, right? Uh, the way that the, these comments were delivered, in my mind, were, it's cold-blooded stuff. In fact, I'm wondering if somewhere today they're adjusting the classification on the animal table. Somewhere around here, they want to add central bankers. Now, the question is, are they reptiles or are they amphibians? All right, folks, don't tweet me, CB Payne. I'd love to hear what you've got to say on it. In the meantime, let me bring up Bianco Research President Jim Bianco. Now, Jim, I know you think I'm being harsh, but I am so fed up with these central banks, right? Their existence, it just doesn't seem to live up to the hype. We always have uncertainty, speculation is out there, wild economic gyrations. I mean, what's going on? Oh, I agree. I agree that we've, you, but we've long ago overstepped with having the influence of central banks on the economy. And your and my frustration is, is not going to change that. And unfortunately, it is the way that the world works. They are considered to be independent. You forgot that part, so we can never, you know, criticize them. Hugh Peel is the uh, chief economist at the Bank of England who made that outrageous statement 
that basically the human experience is ended in 2021. It will never get better ever again. So just accept the fact that you're going to be worse off. Your kids are going to be worse off. Your grandkids are going to be worse off. You know, and no one can really say anything because he's independent. We're not allowed to really criticize him. It was an outrageous statement. But like I said, I'm, I'm ranting on this because I agree with you. They are overstepping a lot of places, but this is the world we live in. And, it, yeah. and, and just because we're upset about it doesn't mean we're going to be able to change it anytime soon. No, not anytime soon. But if enough people learn about it or, or become upset because this is nuts, right? They played a big role in getting us to this position. And now to just be so cavalier to say, hey, just accept your fate. I want to talk about this M2 because this is all anyone's talking about. You got to go back 90 years and then you start seeing it associated with those great panics of the 1800s, including the 1907. But I want to put it in a different perspective. This is M2 as a percentage of GDP, and it's still relatively elevated. I mean, so this, should this how would this inform the Fed? Yeah, so <clears throat> the issue with M2, M2 is called liquid and readily spendable money is what that is. Why it's declining, it's not that money's disappearing. We're moving it into ETFs. We're moving it into some other forms of fintech, or we're buying treasury bills, and that falls out of the definition of M2, which is why it's falling, because that's not considered readily spendable. So it isn't as dire as we make it out. And you're right. When you look at it as the size of GDP, that's called the money velocity that we look at, it's down but it's not hey, Jim, nearly let me as put catastrophic. You on one second, I want to hear what President Biden has to say about his age. He's answering that question right now. All right, I was clear, hoping we that. would uh, actually get more on age. It was sort of interesting, though. President Biden took a shot at America first, although he began this press conference by saying America first when it comes to semiconductors and some other things. So uh, sometimes policy does all the same, but people are loathe to call it uh, by the same name. Hey, Jim, let me come back to you. And I want to give you uh, something here because you talked a lot about this sort of pre-pandemic world, uh, the post-pandemic world we're going to live in. And uh, an interesting uh, review of cell phone activity from since 2009 or from now compared to then, some of these drop-offs are just mind-boggling. San Diego, 99%. I mean, just these are massive. Is this all about work from home or is there something even more sinister going on here? Yeah, that's from 2019, not 2009, comparing it to right. the late of 2022. And you're right, it goes as low as 31% cell phone activity in the downtown areas of San Francisco. You know, all the way up, New York is around 50%. Meaning that if you use cell phone activity as, an, as a metric of what people are doing in the downtown area, there's only half as many people in, the down, in midtown Manhattan, or one third as many people in San Francisco. It really does mean that the center of the major metropolitan areas of this country have hollowed out. <clears throat> They're not anywhere where they used to be in 2019. Right. You're right. I've argued that part of this is this new remote work thing that, you know, we're home maybe two days a week now. We go into the office three days a week. Uh, and that that, I believe, is permanent. Uh, and we're not going to go back to five days a week unless the employers start paying a premium to people. Come into the office every day a week, I'll give you extra pay right, right. to do it. <laughs> and so it is a sign three years after the pandemic that the world has changed, at least for large downtown areas. And now we have to start to figure out why people don't want to go back. Is it crime? Is it difficulty to get there? Is it the politics of the office? Is it all of the above? And once we do, we could go about fixing it. Or we could say, 
no, we're in a new world now, and we'll be more like Europe, where the downtown area is like 50% offices and 50% jobs. In the United States, it's pretty much all, you know, a commercial district. There's not many people that live down there. Maybe we go that route as well. So we have to figure out what we are. We are just not what we were in 2019. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel a little, not necessarily melancholy, actually a little, a little something more uh, worrisome than that. I mean, you know, that's a big economic echo, ecosphere we're talking about there. Uh, Jim, thanks yeah. so much. Really, really always appreciate you. your comments. Talk to you again real soon. <laughs>